0: got the Queen manual, you want to be on page um, 48. If you can see a Bible, that would be great. We'll be looking at one or two verses later on. Don't worry, if you can share, that would be great. Uh, if you asked me this evening, particularly this evening, to explain how it is that England beat Australia in the first test match, in um, the second test match in Adelaide, I could talk about that for a very, very long time. (laughs) I could talk about that until you were almost fast asleep with boredom, which might be in five minutes in some cases, it might be in an hour, but I could go on and on and on about it. And if you were foolish enough then to say to me, Andrew, thank you very much for telling us about cricket, we really enjoyed that, Um, apparently you quite like fishing as well. I could go on and on and on and on about fishing until you were absolutely comatose with boredom about the whole thing. Because these are things that interest me. They excite me, but if you asked me to give up ten evenings of my life to persuade you to like cricket or to persuade you to take up fishing, I would decline the invitation. I do not think it is important for you to go and play cricket. I do not think it is important for you to love fishing. Though I happen to like both, I think your life would be enriched by both, <coughs> but don't worry about that. The point is, though, that the Alpha team, and me, therefore, and the others, well, i missed two or three, uh, we do think sharing the Christian faith is important enough to give up quite a lot of evenings and come and share it with you. And many of us seek opportunities to share our faith in our workplace, with our neighbours, around the place. So it's not just a kind of interest in our lives that we, uh, you know, if you give us the opportunity we'll bore you to tears about it. This is something passionate and, uh, and deep and important that Christian people want to share with the world. And that's a very important distinction to get right. And that's why this evening we're looking about this, this whole issue of why Christians evangelize, why Christians share their faith. Because yeah, some people are very put off by that. You know, some people think, you know, Christians are Bible bashers, always trying to push their faith down my throat. You know, it's rather aggressive. I don't mind religion, but I think it should be a private matter. You know, I don't want people forcing their beliefs onto me. And that's a very normal kind of reaction that people often, often feel. And, uh, and we need to be able to justify why we think it is really important that we share our faith in Jesus Christ why we think it's something that the world needs to hear, why it's not just a private matter, but relevant to to everyone. And that's what this talk is all about, why we think the Christian faith must be shared with the world. If you'd like to turn, if you've got the Bible there, to page 1160, page 1160... I will be using the, the um, outline in the Green Book in a, in a moment or two, but I just want to say one or two things first before we get to the outline. 1160 is what's called 2 Corinthians. It's the second letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to, well, it's the second letter that we have that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth in about 55 AD, so very near the time of Jesus Christ. It's actually the fourth letter that he wrote. There were two that had got lost and uh, somehow were not preserved. So two Corinthians should really be called four Corinthians, but uh, nevertheless it's the second letter that we have. And uh, in this particular chapter, in chapter 5, he's explaining why it is really, really important (coughs) that the Christians in Corinth should share their faith with their pagan Neighbours. And I remember I used the word pagan in a literal sense there. They were were pagan worshippers, worshipping idols, the the Roman and Greek gods and goddesses of the ancient world. And and, and so they were quite, and they were living in an extremely um, uh, broken and divided society, a very cruel society really, where love of your neighbour and love of God was not known. So it was tough for the Christians. And this is why Paul says that Corinthian Christians should be bravely sharing their faith, even if at the risk of their lives. And of course, many of them lost their lives. And I'm going to give you just three headings. This is really by way of introduction as to why we tell other people about Jesus. If you look at um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verses 10 and 11, that's at the top of page 1161, says this. This is an amazing thing for someone to write. This is just... Um, 20 or 25 years after the death of Jesus, the death and resurrection of Jesus. So Paul is writing this very close to, to, you know, in your lifetime. This would be like in your lifetime, almost all of you. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due to him, for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So Paul says, first of all, church, this is really, really important that people know about Jesus, because one day, every single person born into the world is going to meet Jesus Christ. Every single one of us is going to meet Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing to write, isn't it? It's quite an extraordinary thing to write. But you see, that the logic of it is plain. If Jesus is the Son of God, which is what we've claimed in the <coughs> Bible and what we've claimed on the other course, if Jesus is the Son of God, he really did rise again on the third day and is alive today and is the king of the universe reigning in heaven if these things are true if it is true then of course human beings created in his image will be brought before him he is the king of all he loves us all he longs that all of us should be saved and we will appear before him so a huge motivation I mean, it's it's a really difficult one. This because sometimes people say, well, you're just putting fear into people's lives. You know, what's going to happen when they die? You know, someone someone said, you know, you shouldn't um, uh, you shouldn't uh, you shouldn't ever say that Christianity is just pie in the sky when you die. Pie in the sky when you die. In other words, become a Christian because you're going to be okay in heaven. Because it is also steak on the plate while you wait. Sorry for those of you who are struggling with the English language. Pie in the sky when you die. In other words, there's a reward. On the, in, in heaven for the Christian, steak on the plate when you wait. It's worthwhile being a Christian now. Uh, but what if you're not a Christian? Do you miss out? Do you, is there a terrible judgment? Well, Paul tells to the Corinthians that that is a terrible risk. We take a terrible risk if we get to our deathbed without having decided to follow Christ. Because on the judge, he will sit on the judgment seat and we will face him. We will say, what did you do with me? What did you do with the Christian message? What did you do with your life? How did you live your life? Did you live your life in response to this gospel? So I, what I put down, and I don't mean this in a, quite how it sounds, but I put down as the first reason why we Christians share our faith is because of the fear of God. But I think it might be better to call it respect for God. Because we take God seriously, because we believe that God has given us life and that there is a life beyond the grave, the resurrection proves that, and therefore we need to be ready to face that great day. So although we put the fear of God, I don't mean this in the sense of a trembling fear, you know, like you fear when a policeman pulls you down if you're speeding or something like that, of course, very rarely happens to me, but <laughs> I mean, you know, you know what I mean. You know, um, <laughs> it has happened once or twice recently, I'm on. I'm on nine points. Could you pray for on, on nine points is like being on death row. a, a bit laugh. It's really, it's very tense. So you'll so see me on my bicycle rather well, more than usual. I know. But, um, uh, but it's, it's not a trembling fear. It's a respect. It's a respect for the greatness of God and a trust in the, in the love and justice of God. But the Bible does say that we will all meet Him face to face and stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So we share our faith because we respect God. We believe in God and we respect him. And fear is often the word that uh, is used in the Bible. The second reason is because of the love of Jesus. If you look at verses 14 and 15, Paul says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and raised again. We Christians are convinced, absolutely convinced, that when Jesus died on the cross, he he took the place that we deserve to be in. He took, we deserved this eternal death. I think the older I get, the more I feel I deserve that. The more I become aware of the greatness and holiness and perfection of God and the more I become aware of my own failings and weaknesses. Not that I kind of dwell on it all the time, but I think when I was very young I used to rather sort of confidently to think that I would be good enough for God, You know that somehow I'd be good enough for God, and God would be pleased to meet me. You know? mm-hmm. Now I think you know, when I've lived 60 years of my life, made mistakes, even though I've tried to serve and follow Christ, I'm very conscious of my failure very conscious of my weakness, very conscious of my sin, and so grateful to God. I love Jesus so much because he took the punishment that I know I deserve. A holy and righteous God who gave me life, who gave me breath, gave me this great country to live in, gave me freedom, gave me a brain to think, this fantastic God, gave me wonderful parents, he's given me so much, given me the gospel so that I can understand it. And still I managed to blow it. Still I managed to mess it up. And yet this fantastic truth that Jesus loved me so much. He said, Andrew, I know you've messed it up. I know you've made a mistake. But I've taken that punishment upon myself. The punishment you deserve, I have taken upon myself. Because I love you. To be loved is a tremendous thing. Not to be loved is a terrible thing. To know, for we Christians know the love of God. We know that, despite our weakness, we are accepted and loved by the God of the universe. He loves me. He loves me. Accepts me. He wants to be my friend, and I know that because I looked at the cross of Calvary, and Jesus took the punishment I deserved. The love of Jesus compels me to share this great news with my family and my friends. How could I not? How could I be? You know, it's as if I, as if you stumbled on the on a panacea, on the cure for cancer, you know. The cure, you stumble on the cure for cancer, you say, Oh, great, I've got the cure for cancer, I'll keep that to myself in case I get cancer. You know, I don't want to tell anyone about that. It was a marvel, I'll give you one cricket story, I wasn't gonna say this, but I can't resist it because a cricket spinning in my mind. There was an absolutely fantastic Australian bowler called Jackie Gleason, who used to bowl by flicking the finger out of his hand like that. And the batsman could not tell what the ball was going to do. He had this wonderful bowling, actually, He'd flick it out, so the bat, sometimes the ball went that way, sometimes the ball went that way. And England had a great, great batsman called Geoffrey Boycott. And Geoffrey Boycott worked out which way the ball was going to spin. He made a lot of runs against Jackie Gleason. One day, a wonderful South African chap who played for England called Basil he walked. he was batting with Geoffrey Boycott, and he walked down the pitch and he said, Geoffrey, I think I've worked out what Jackie Gleason's doing. I think I've worked out how he can do it. And Paul said, I had three matches ago, but don't tell anyone. Because <laughs> he wanted to be the only one who made me run against him, you see. He wanted to be the only one to keep the secret to himself. We Christians cannot keep the secret to ourselves. We <coughs> cannot keep the secret to ourselves. The love of Jesus is too good We want to share it. Paul said the love of Jesus compelled him. If we want look a little bit further on, uh, and it says, um, verse 16, Now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. But once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God. What an amazing thing that is to write. What an amazing thing to write. If anyone is in Christ, if you will come to Christ tonight, During the Alpha Course, if you will commit your life to Christ, if you will surrender to Christ, maybe you'll have questions still, maybe you'll still have some doubts. I certainly did when I started on this journey. But if anyone surrenders to Christ, he becomes, according to Paul, a new creation. Jesus described it as the new birth, being born again. The old has gone, a whole new life begins. That's why we share this faith. That's why we share it, because although we struggle with it, sometimes we look just the same as everybody else, although we mess up, we know in our hearts that something completely new and revolutionary has begun when the Spirit of Jesus came into our hearts and filled us. And it makes a difference. It may sometimes make very little difference on the exterior. Christians do mess up. Their marriages go wrong. Bad things happen to them. We make mistakes. We blow it. Deep in our hearts, the Christian knows that a new birth has taken place. Something wonderful has occurred when you surrender to Christ. It's what I call the reality of the new birth. So those are my three introductory points. I've will them, but I'm going to go quickly through the rest of it. I just think these are really, really crucial for you to get your head around. Why we think this is so important? You will meet God face to face. You will meet him one day face to face. And he will call you to account. He will, if this is true, if Jesus is true, and there is life after death, then you will face the God of the universe and you will give account for your lives, as I will. And we should fear the one who can do that, as I would fear right now if I got three more points. If I went before the judge, poor, oh, I would be trembling at the knees. I would be. And it's only just six months without a license, actually. It's quite a nice thought. I wouldn't have to drive it. Anyway, we we'll won't go back. But... Um, but you know what I mean, we respect the one who holds our lives in his hands. Mm. The love of Jesus, Jesus' love is so truly wonderful that he spent his life for us, and there will be a change in your lives, there will be a change in our, my life, a huge change in our hearts, the reality of the new birth. So how do we share this faith? And with this I'm going to go to the, to the, green, um, the green Book, because you may be thinking to yourself, well, if I become a Christian, I've got to become a sort of raving evangelist. You know, I've got to go around you know, shouting in the corn market and you know, behaving like a Mooney or something like that. You know, I've got to become a religious lunatic. And there are some Christians like that. I mean, there are. And don't necessarily stop them, because sometimes they're rather a blessing. I mean, I can think of... I did three stories, three of the stories. About, I have a friend like this, a chap called Alan, who's a friend like this, and he got onto a train the other day, he told me, and there was somebody sitting in the compartment of the train facing the way that, he, that the train was going. So he said, um, he said, would you mind if we swap places? He said, I always like to face the way that we're going. And this lady sitting opposite him um, said, no, no. She said, I also like to face the way that we're going, so I'm going to stay put where I am. So he sat opposite her, and, and after a while he said to her, um, uh, you do realise, don't you, that if this train crashes and you're facing the way the train goes, you are, in fact, far more likely to die than me. And, and the woman said, no, I didn't realise that, I didn't know that. He said, yes, that is actually a statistical fact. <laughs> and, uh, uh, she said, oh, no, i tell you about it. And then he said, and incidentally, he said, if the train does crash and you do die, do you actually know where you're going? Uh, and then they had a talk about Jesus and heaven and all that sort of thing. But that, you don't have to behave like that. I mean, you've got to behave like that. But some people do. I was walking with this chap down the high street in Oxford uh, on a mission to the university. We were on a week's mission to the university many years ago. And uh, he suddenly stopped by one of those rubbish bins on the high street, those litter bins that are there, as a very pretty undergraduate student walked past. And he tapped this girl on the shoulder, which was very alarming for her, and he said, excuse me, for her. what do you see in that rubbish bin? And the girl was shocked as she, imagine what this complete story was talking to me, talk And she said, I see a load of rubbish. She said, did you know that when God looks into your heart, that's what he sees? <laughs> well, you do have a sort of sudden conversation with people when you sort of And my favourite one, my favourite one, and those of you from um, uh, the East, East, East Asia will, will understand this, I hope relate to it. I was in Hong Kong with this chap at a conference in Kowloon and we're walking down the street in Kowloon with my friend Alan, and suddenly out from the shadows comes a, 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 a pimp, a, a, a little Chinese chap comes out, and he rushes up to my friend Alan, and he says, handsome European gentleman, want pretty Chinese girl. And I thought, oh my goodness, this person is going to die. This person, there's, there's going to be a terrible scene here. And my friend, who was a rugby player, Picked him up by his shirt, this little chap, a pimp. So that he's dangling in front of him, he's holding him in front of him, with his legs off the air, list, and he, says, he looks at him and he says, handsome European gentleman has got Jesus in his life. Does not need pretty Chinese girl. Horrid Chinese pimp needs Jesus too. <laughs> and he dropped him on the floor, and you've never seen him run so fast in your life. This chap did as he headed the show. Now, you do not have to share your faith like this extraordinary friend of Rick Martin. Do not think that that is the model that I'm setting before you. But recognize that, thanks be to God, there are some people in the world, Christians in the world, who are wonderfully good and forthright in sharing their faith. And sometimes they just kind of hit the target with people, and it's a way in which God's word is sown in their hearts. But don't think you have to be like that. You might, you might be, and that would be wonderful. I rejoice, in a sense, if you are, although you will offend as many people as you win. Um, but there are these four Ps that they give us here in the booklet, four ways in which we share our faith. We share our faith by hopefully, although we make mistakes, just being a Christian presence in society. Hopefully, the Christian is what Jesus calls salt and life. He encourages us, the Christians, to be salt, that is to to bring flavour to life, to bring taste to life, to enrich life. And he says that we should be light in the darkness. In particular, he he means by that that a Christian should be someone who loves their neighbour, who puts somebody else, their other person's concerns before their own. Of course, Christians are not the only people in the world to do that, of course not. But Christians should be uh, looking to do that. There's a lovely bit, and I think it's referred to here in uh, 1 Peter 3 here, we've got a reference here uh, to the married relationship, where it talks about if a woman in a marriage is a Christian and the husband is not a Christian, it says, if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behaviour of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your life. In other words, the, the wife wins her husband by the gentleness and Christian character that she displays within marriage. That model within marriage is one that we should aspire to in society as well. We are to be a blessing to the society, to the, to the, to the community in which we live. And historically, I think, although there are many terrible things have been done in the name of religion, I think if you look carefully at church history over 2,000 years, you would see that a huge amount of good has been done in the holy amounts of education and myths and as well, of course, as spreading the gospel in the name of Jesus Christ. And I think on balance you'd have to say overwhelmingly that Christianity comes out as being a great influence uh, on the world. Terrible things, of course, have also been done in the name of Christ and in the name of religion. Hopefully, hopefully the presence of Christians in a community kind of commends the Christian faith to people. Secondly, there is persuasion. We are encouraged to persuade people. Paul talks about that in their passage in 2 Corinthians, that we are, that we are compelled to persuade people, to use persuasive arguments uh, to be able to answer questions. I used to do, um, in my previous job, I used to do a lot of school missions. And one of the things that we used to do on school missions with sort of um, 14, 15, 16-year-olds is go into the classes, and I would, I would do a sort of 10-minute visual presentation of the Christian message, and, uh, and it would literally be ten minutes saying God loves you, but we rebelled against God. Jesus died on the cross for us, but He rose again. He's alive today. Do you want to know Him? I could do them in thirty seconds. Handle that. Ten seconds. I'm but, um, but then I used to do about ten minutes over it, and there was a little sketch that I used to do on their blackboard or whiteboard, whichever they had in the classroom. And then I would say, "Anybody got any questions?" And it was fascinating going to schools because someone immediately would say, uh, "Okay, who did Adam and Eve's children marry?" somebody else would say what about suffering and someone else would say my mum's got cancer why is that and somebody else would say do you have sex before marriage and all these questions would come with about 10 second gap between each one and your mind is kind of spinning as you're trying to persuade them about the Christian truth and it's spinning around from argument to argument and sometimes it's like that I'm sure it's been some time like that in your groups that you've had loads and loads of questions but we as Christians are trying, we are trying to have uh, gentle, loving, caring answers to these questions so that we can persuade people that the Christian message is true and the Christian life is worth living. So the Alpha Course is about persuasion. Not all of you will be persuaded. Not all of you yet have been persuaded, I imagine, but I hope that uh, it'd be quite interesting to get, it be quite interesting to have you all up the front one by one, I would, I promise you, I'm not going to do this, and say to you what did you think about Christianity at the beginning of the course even if you've not yet become a Christian what did you think about Christianity at the beginning of the course and what do you think about it now or if you were in the pub or in your, with your friends and they said what do you think about Christianity now you'd say well in the other course I've discovered this, this and this things that you didn't know about Christianity before so hopefully even if we've not persuaded you we've given you some information that will enable you to defend the Christian faith persuasion is one of the methods that we use to share the Christian faith, because we think it's so urgent. The next P, as you look in your manual there, is, uh, is, is proclamation. I am so grateful that when I was 18, and I found myself in the company of Christian people, and uh, that they had the courage to share their faith with me, as we are doing in this course. I'm so grateful for that. But they also took me to public meetings, church services, one or two um, kind of evangelistic rallies, that sort of thing, where I heard somebody get up and proclaim the Christian message and call for a response very boldly, as we might do sometimes in church. Uh, And I'm very grateful for that because it challenged me I could kind of sit in the back of a crowd and I could hear one great friend of mine who, who I met soon after this time it was a chap who played for Arsenal Football Club, a chap called Richie Powling, played in the midfield uh, for Arsenal, great team, and uh, Richie came from no kind of Christian background at all, uh, and uh, he lived in um, the east end of London, in a, in quite near Ilford in the east end of London, if you know that part of the world, and an evangelist called Trevor Deering came to his town. And uh, a friend of his said to him, Richie, uh, why don't you go along to this meeting? And he said, I'm not interested in Christian, I am not interested. And he said, oh, well, come on, I've never heard, why not come along? Remember, he's asked playing for Arsenal, so he's an instantly recognised person. So he sits right at the back of the room, and this chap speaks. He explains the Christian message, answer, and at the end of the meeting, he gets up and he says, if anyone wants to give their life to Christ, I want them to, come fo- I want them to put their hand in the air, I want them to come put their hand in the air. And Richie said, I sat there thinking, nothing in the world would make me put my hand in the air. Nothing would make me do that. I'm an Arsenal football, everyone would recognise me, I'm not going to do it. So I looked up in the air, and my hand was, in the, air. My hand was up in the air. What is my hand doing in the air? And then this evangelist said, if anybody who's got their hand in the air wants to really follow Christ, they need to come forward at the meeting here, and they need publicly to give their lives to Christ here and now tonight to say that from now on I'm going to be a Christian. And Richie said, I sat there with my hand and I said, nothing is going to shift me out of this seat. Nothing will get me to move from here. I do not want all the hundreds of people in this meeting pointing and saying, oh, look, there goes Richie Powling. He plays in the midfield for Arsenal. He's becoming a Christian. He's becoming a lunatic as well. And I said, he said, nothing will make me move. And he suddenly said, I found myself at the front of the room kneeling down, tears pouring down my face and giving my life to Christ. And he became still a Christian today. That was in 1976. And he's is still a Christian today. So proclamation has tremendous power to convince people's hearts and minds that the time has come to surrender to Christ. And if that's how you feel in this Alpha Course, do not delay. Do not delay. For Jesus is calling you to him. the fourth uh, P is power God's work at our lives one of the great ways in which the early church and even today especially in other parts of the world perhaps where faith is so great although it happens so as well I'm happy to say that what I just described as a kind of example of power evangelism but obviously in the early church tremendous things happened which persuaded people uh, to become Christians and um, it's interesting um, Aubrey's daughter Susanna worked for many years out with um, Jackie Fullinger in Hong Kong working with uh, drug addicts and all sorts of really needy people and they saw tremendous power at work in people's lives and they were transformed. And the final P is the word prayer. We do pray for you on this course. We pray for you before every meeting. Uh, We pray because we believe that God answers prayer and that's another way in which Christians share their faith. So I've talked for too long, and I'm going to stop. But we share our faith passionately because we respect God's power, because of Jesus' love for us and for you, because becoming a Christian is life-transforming and life-enriching in the new birth. And we do it humbly, with lots of mistakes, by trying to be a presence in the community, by trying to persuade people, by proclaiming the Christian gospel as powerfully as we can, by seeing God powerfully at work in the world, in miracles and healings and all sorts of exciting things and through prayer. God often does so much more than we can ask or imagine. You will have a story. One of the most powerful stories I ever heard of someone sharing their faith it was a man on his way to faith. He hadn't become a Christian. His name was Christopher and he hadn't become a Christian and he spoke at a men's meeting in Sevenoaks in Kent and he got up and he said, I have I've grown up in a church-going family, but I haven't yet decided for Christ. I'm thinking about it. But I'm on my way to it. He said, I'm open to it. I want to get all the facts around me, and I want to share with you. It was an after-dinner speech, so he had made some funny cracks as well, and some jokes. But he was very honest about this. He said, I'm on my way to faith. That's where I'm heading. That's my destination. And now he is a very strong believer. When he shared this talk, when he shared this part of his story, he was still there. You may have friends... You may have family who wonder why you're doing the Alpha course. Don't be ashamed to tell them where you've got to in the story now. Just explain where you've got to now. Don't worry if you haven't reached the destination. Talk about the journey, and others will be intrigued by that. And you may find that you're now, before you actually become a Christian, is when God uses you more powerfully. And I tell you what, even if you're not a Christian, if you see one of your friends become a Christian, you will be so thrilled. It will make you want to become a Christian too. I'll stop there. Just